Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast which asks which movies are well worth watching and remembering for all time. Every episode, we discuss a different piece of film history to decide if it should make its way into our movie vault. Filled with questions, trivia, and crazy challenges, it's the perfect way to deep dive into a myriad of movies. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a glimpse of what to expect in today's episode. If you're going to put uh, Demolition Man in there, then you've got to put 21 Jump Street, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm still insanely pissed. <laughs> I'm still insanely happy. I love Demolition Man. Uh, Paul, what do you think? Look, it cured anti-Semitism. Uh... It's, got to go in the vault. <laughs> it's got to go in the vault. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Are you not entertained? I am the heart. I'll be back. Hello and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that asks which movies are well worth watching and deserve to be remembered for all time. I'm your host, David Osger, and I'm joined by my co-host, the J to my K, the Wild to my Hops, or the Drix to my Oxy. It's Craig McDonald. Hello, Craig. I was really trying to work out in what direction you were going to go with this one. <laughs> and yeah, that's actually one of the more harmless ones you've done, to be fair. I was almost tempted to actually go back to Rush Hour and just reiterate what I said there, purely because I find it just bizarre that you were so eager to get out to the violent crime genre you almost have brought us back to it in a way yeah but the reason yeah but like i said the reason i did it mm. is fantastic <laughs> i would just laugh if we end up with like a dystopian like action movie or something if, next we, time if we end up with a dystopian action film i will swiftly bring it back i don't care what children's film i have to suggest i don't care <laughs> what what like what rank on the top 100 feminist movies of all time I have to go to, I will get us back on a diverse course. So, Craig, as I said there, in a way, you've brought us full circle back to uh, the genres of crime. Is is this really a violent film? (laughs) It could lead us... It's got some violence in it. I wouldn't call this a violent film. Well, we'll ask later. Was Rush Hour, but (laughs) but, yeah, we've gone down the realm of police and duos once again. So please do tell us, uh, for those who didn't catch our last episode, what is it we are discussing today? So, today, boys and girls... To deal with the calamity of last week's situation of having to watch the film Night Before Christmas, I decided with my film choice, because uh, my film was chosen by the the illustrious winner of last, of last episode's Endgame. Basically, I was told by various friends that watching uh, Night Before Christmas, or as David's tried to gaslight me in some conversations, Christmas Night, we should be clear that this is a Netflix original. This is a Netflix yeah. original, Vanessa Hudgens produced film. I was told that watching that film would be a transformative experience. So I decided to choose a film that genuinely did improve the world for the better. Because for those who follow Instagram and follow the account of Kanye West, they will know that he watched this film and <laughs> no longer became anti-Semitic because of the performance of Jonah Hill. And already one of our guests is dying, so... 
so that's why this week we are talking about the Nazi destroying <laughs> film of 21 Jump Street. Get ready for a lifetime of being badasses. Oh, I am. God, dude, I thought this job would have more car chases than explosions. Got our first bus. Yes! You forgot to read him his Miranda rights. You idiots are officially transferred. Where do we report? 21 Jump Street. You are here because you some Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus looking mother. You will be going undercover as high school students. Are you too strapping? You can't make us look like losers on the first day of school. And what makes you the expert? I was cool in high school and you weren't. Fair? Rule number one, no sexual relations with students or teachers. Let me check out your chest. Check out your test. Let me, let me grade your quiz. Rule number two, don't give nobody no alcohol. I promise you we'll be super professional. All I do is... Your mother told me that you are undercover. Shut your mouth. Hey, yo. That's... <laughs> 21 Jump Street. Why do you always jump across the car like that? Because it looks cool. You try. You okay? I was just so prepared for just like, yep, yeah, today we're talking about like, you know, the crime comedy. And I'm like, no, okay, <laughs> this is the, this is the angle we're going with. Right. So yeah, today we are talking all about 21 Jump Street from 2012 and asking the question of whether it deserves the honor of a place in our movie vault. Our vault that encapsulates memorable movies for all time. So for those who don't know, the story of 21 Jump Street is a pair of underachieving cops are sent back to a local high school to blend in and bring down a synthetic drug ring. It is directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, written by Michael Bacall and Jonah Hill, uh, with also credits to Patrick Hasberg and Stephen J. Canal, who were the writers on the original TV show that this is based on. The music is by Mark Mothersbaugh, and cinematography by Barry Peterson, and it's edited by Joel Negron. It stars Jonah Hill, who also has the writing credit as Schmidt, and Channing Tatum as Jenko. So they are our sort of comic duo uh, in this buddy cop movie. Uh, we also have kind of like career breakout performances in some ways from uh, the likes of Brie Larson and Dave Franco. And then we have uh, a lot of alumni to comedy uh, with Rob Riggle, Jake Johnson, Chris Parnell, Johnny Pemberton, Nick Offerman, and Ice Cube also making an appearance. Very fun movie, very well known for also kickstarting Lord and Miller's careers in some ways as well. And uh, yeah, has become synonymous with some of the comedies that we've seen in recent years. So to discuss this film, we thought what better comic duo to bring back than the very duo that we had on our Rush Hour episode. So do I introduce them as uh, Potter and Klein or, or Klein and Potter? Potter and Klein sounds good. I, I like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we have with us uh, film journalist Paul Klein and uh, video game journalist Aaron Potter. Hello, guys. Hello, hello. Thanks for... Welcome back. I feel like me and Paul should be like bursting through the window, shattering the glass with doves <laughs> coming up behind us. Just, yeah, when in need, uh, we arrive. I forgot about the Kanye West thing. <laughs> I sort of blanked that out of my mind as well. I was like, what a weird time that was. And it wasn't really that long ago either. I saw a meme which was girls if they have time travel. And it's like, I'm your granddaughter. Oh, wow. And then it's men with time travel. And it's sitting Hitler down to watch <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> of all the of all the jonah hill films he's like 
That un- that undercover cop where he tries to fuck Brie Larson. We'll, we'll yeah. get into that. We'll get into that. What's great is when I brought this up, David didn't know about this. Oh no, Let's I go. I did know about okay. it, but I was just kind of like like Aaron. I was like, oh, I blanked that out of my mind. I yeah, because I literally it. just go in the episode. So we all know Kanye West. And he's like, oh, God damn. Yeah, it's, so- <laughs> it's so crazy that, that, that it was like 21 Jump Street. He was like, yeah, 21 Jump Street. And it made me realize that hating Jews made no sense. And he's like, 21 Jump Street did that? Tw- 21 Jump Street? 21 Jump Street? Are you sure? Not Moneyball. Not, you know, no, not no. some hard-hitting drama, not like Schindler's List, no. I was just going to say Schindler's List. <laughs> that, mo- that movie with, Ch- with, with Channing Tatum. I can't, hate, I can't hate all the Jews when that fat one's quite funny. Oh, okay then. Anyway, moving on. So I'm glad you guys like the intro of uh, Potter and Klein anyway. Well, to be fair, they seem to forget about it. They just wanted to talk about the Kanye. <laughs> yeah. Don't we'll implicate me in to... this. I can't be held responsible for the actions or comments of Klein. That's all I'll say. You know, I don't know who's the Jonah Hill, who's the Channing in this. I'm a maverick. I go by my own rules. Well, Comments of Klein sounds like an Oscar contender film, to be honest. It does, doesn't it? Meryl Streep wins an Oscar for it. Oh, she was so good in Comments of Klein. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, do you guys see yourself as a crime or cop duo? But I'm assuming after what we just talked about, nobody wants to be affiliated with any crimes. Do you see yourself as a crime duo? (laughs) Yeah, what crimes would we get up to, Paul? What sort of, like, are we talking like fake DVDs or, you know, pirated copies? (laughs) At the back yeah, of my dad's you know, being in direct violation of Reddit user agreements. I think it'd be pirate DVDs of Jackie Chan Adventures. Don't get me started on the Jackie Chan Adventures, guys. We're, we never got a movie. It does feel like the sort of thing I think the, the police would just let you get away with. It's like, it's like you're selling bootleg copies of Jackie Chan Adventures? How much? <laughs> this was only available in Region 4. How, how, how can I get in on this? <laughs> like my DVD, Will my DVD play this? Yeah, Yeah, that's what you specialise in, is just like regional <laughs> films that are not available. Old, old so cartoons regions. that no longer get aired yeah. on syndication. Or just films that like, Paul, didn't you say once that you watched uh, Snowpiercer and like you didn't realise that the uh, part did, of it I was didn't like... Realize the, had... that, yeah, no, the, the, um, the Song Kang Ho's character was meant to be subtitled because the DVD I had didn't have subtitles. So I was like, I was like, oh, they've gone like, Bong Joon-ho's gone in, in like, oh, we wouldn't subtitle the English. So you just have to get from, and I'm like, oh, his performance is so good. I kind of know what he's saying. And by their reaction, I kind of get it. And then I watched it again uh, at the Prince Charles and I was like, oh, it was subtitled. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> Living you learn. So, yeah, today we're talking about 21 Jump Street. And uh, as I said, we've brought back uh, Paul and Aaron to discuss another comedy uh, duo film. But first of all, I just thought we talked about buddy cop duos in that episode. But I thought in the time frame we're in now, and also just it was in that time of 2012 in which like comedies have changed. I would say that they were quite more influenced by things like The Hangover um, you also had, as this film points out, a lot more like rehashing of like old TV shows, etc. What do you guys think about this era of comedy? Do you think this kind of like changed the wave in a lot of ways? Or do you think it sort of like fits with what was being made, you know, years before and sort of years after? Paul, Paul what would you say? See, with 21 Jump Street, I, I came to it quite late. I came to it, we were discussing before I used to work in a cinema. I came to it after I'd seen 22 Jump Street. <laughs> so I'd seen the second one and I enjoyed it. And I was like, I better go back to the first one and see what that's all about. Because I made the assumption that it was going to be knocked up, super bad type humour. 
and actually it's really well written and like like funny in a way that's quite clever as opposed to you know some of those other ones where you feel like they just were riffing and they picked the stuff they like best whereas like 21 jump street is really funny in the way that they're going like yeah we're rehashing this thing that was in the 80s and we're bringing it to a modern audience and it's like you're doing quite funny and i i think that it stands out as one of the better comedies from that sort of that era i think and also i think it sort of reinvented uh channing tatum as somebody that you know men in in a traditional way men can be like oh i like channing tatum now because he's not in you know girly if i'm doing quotation marks you can't see it's a podcast girly films you know like step up and uh he was in a lot of romantic stuff, and then he was in this, and it, and it was like, oh, guys can like him now because he's in this comedy. I'm surprised he like, didn't yeah, physically com- mention Magic Mike because that is obviously yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, do you categorize it within that? Which obviously the appeal is to women. But Magic then- Mike, it, Magic Mike's hilarious because I was like, oh, that's just going to be sexy men dancing. And I'm like, there's a lot of existential dread in this sexy men dancing film. I'm like, why have I got to watch him do his taxes? I thought I was going to see him shake his bottom. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> But yeah, no, I like 21 Jump Street. I'm not going to bury the lead. And I, I think it's really well written. I think it's, it does, I don't think it goes for cheap jokes. You know, like a lot of, you know, The Hangover in particular is, is quite hateful, I think. I do laugh at some of it. I have to admit, I'm not, you know, proud. But like 21 Jump Street has that good bit where Channing Tatum hits the guy and they're like, you hit, you hit, you hit a gay guy. And he's like, I didn't hit him because he's gay. I hit him. And then he turned out to be gay afterwards. If, if anything, it's more homophobic if you didn't hit yeah, him. Yeah, that's I do love. <laughs> exactly. I do love Schmidt's like excuses for him doing this film. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like you said, Hangover hasn't aged well in some senses. I think, especially yeah, like the third not. one, in which they're just like, yeah, and this like decapitated giraffe for some reason, and you're just like, oh, okay. So I think that a lot of a lot of the movies where you look around at that time, I think it does sort of make sense within that era. You got things like. Neighbors, Pineapple Express, Zombieland, you know, like things that are so plain with genre, but also giving you so like big name actors and obviously Jonah Hill having the success of things like Superbad, etc. So he's still within that sort of realm, as you said, Paul, of things like the Seth Rogen sort of films. Um, but then you got Chan Tatum comes in to sort of help a bit more with like the action. And then the fact that Lord and Miller are adding almost like another layer to it as well, which is kind of of parody and something like more original uh aaron what what's your experiences with this film do you uh seen it when it first came out or yeah so similar to paul um I'd, I'd only ever seen this film once before uh the viewing for this podcast and i'd never really rated it that highly in my head probably because it was quickly superseded by in my opinion the vastly superior 22 jump street um there's still jokes in that uh that i regularly just recall in my head on a daily basis and sort of i feel like i've become snapshotted and like turned into memes on twitter and like the what was it minima jeff like that was just like everywhere you know and going into this viewing again i knew i was like i was looking like for those moments and there's there's a couple there i feel like because in this film you've got the rob riggle factor he only shows up in uh, the second one, obviously, briefly in, in a cameo appearance. So, And I do like myself a bit of Rob Riggle, I can't lie. He's so good. He's not in a lot. Like He's in lots, but not very long. 
and he's almost always the That's best it. thing he's your in full it. Guy. Like, him in Step Brothers is so <laughs> funny. Yeah, yeah. What is that? The film where he's just going woo constantly. He's you know behind the desk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's yeah. He's just constantly shouting yeah. at them. He is—he's he, great in this. He's, he's so, so good. Funny. He, he's underutilized. Um, and uh, so yeah, like going into this one, I was kind of—I like, don't know what to expect, but to concur with what like Paul said, like I agree that this is a much more like elevated uh, comedy when compared to you know a lot of the ones that we've already, um, you know, spoken about. And I think that's largely because you got the Lord and Miller factor as opposed to the Judd Apatow factor, where Judd Apatow sort of had a string of early hits early on, sort of starting with the 40-year-old virgin. And I think that I, I've always thought of in my head as the 40-year-old virgin as kind of like a nexus point in terms of like that birthed so many comedy actors' careers. Obviously, you've got Seth Rogen, you've got Jonah Hill, then you've got Steve Carell that goes to do his own thing. You've got Paul Rudd. Um, and then you've got the other member of that uh friendship group that kind of didn't really go on to do a lot uh, in comedy which i always thought was a bit strange i can't remember the name of the actor apologies but um yeah i i, I did really enjoy 21 jump street uh uh on this second watch just due to how clever the script was and how self-aware it was because th- this came out in 2012 at a time where being self-aware wasn't overdone yet and i feel like as a result of this like a lot of people tried you know you got things like let's be cops uh you got the Chips movie remake with Dax Shepard, which the less said about the better. Another translation of a TV show that just feel a bit try hard and dueling into that like cruder form of comedy a bit more. Whereas for the most part, in amongst the sort of Rob Riggle trying to pick up his dismembered penis with his mouth <laughs> and, you know, all these other, you know, I wondered how of, long it'd take for us to mention that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was glad to be the one to bring it up. Um, Channing Tatum like throwing up on Jonah Hill's shoulder. Like in amongst that, it's really... A bromance movie just as much as it is a buddy cop movie and that might be like cheesy to say but the fact that they stealth that in whilst playing upon tropes that you typically see in like 80s buddy cop movies and even 90s as we find out when we talked about rush hour um so yeah i really enjoyed it on the on the second watch uh this time around appreciated what it was doing and sort of where it sent people's careers but having said that i still think i'd need to watch it again but 22 jump street i think it's very clear that they didn't know what they had with 21 Jump Street. Lord and Miller weren't quite trusted. They started to prove themselves. And then with the second one, they were just like, here's a blank check. Go and make the funniest sequel you can. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, actually, because when I always look back on them, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, the original, that's got, it, it's more of a, a sort of cleaner, tighter film. Um, whereas 22 Jump Street, I suppose, maybe initially when I first saw it, I was kind of like, oh, you know, they are throwing everything at the wall. And is this too madcap? Is this a cohesive story? But then, like you said, you are, you know, you are right in terms of there are more memorable moments from it. And then when I did think about some of the story beats from that film, as I watched 21 Jump Street, I was like, oh, right. No, that was in 22 Jump Street. So like one of my favorite jokes from that is Jonah Hill with the shoes when he's walking away. Like when we had She-Hulk, when Daredevil did the same thing. I'm like, this is, yeah, I'm like, this is always fantastic. It's just always such a fun visual. And especially the way that Jonah Hill plays it when he's just like walking past that girl and he's just like, hey, Jessica. And he's like, oh, I can't get, wait to get home and just like wrap up and watch Friends all day or something like that. I'm just like, that's perfect. It's just, you know, the, the image of him carrying the shoes. Him doing the slam poetry. Oh, I was just going to say, Julia, so- Rob. Hurts, Rob. <laughs> hurts, like so good. It's another. Jesus theme. died for us, Cynthia. <laughs> so funny. It's the bit where he, the bit I like, is when um he he hooks up with a girl, 
and then he's telling them about it and he's like we did it all kinds of ways we're talking missionary we're talking missionary we're talking i'm on top and she's on the bus for me it's then the culmination of that when he then has to go back to the office uh with the captain he just slams a picture down and you just you just have like uh jenko on the side there for ages like Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> it's like ticking away in his head. Just running around. Yeah. That's been on loop on my head all day. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, when when uh, Ice Cube's having the freak out at the buffet breakfast. Yeah. And he's like, he like takes the tongs and he's like slamming loads of green beans on his plate. And he's like, give me these green beans. <laughs> and then Hill's like, let the man have his green beans. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Chan and Tatum got to flourish a bit more. I think that it's a bit like Chris Hemsworth in a way, it, almost like from him, from Thor, the Dark World to Saw Ragnarok in terms of like, no, you are a funny guy. You can sort of like thrive in this a bit more. So, and I think, yeah, it's interesting bringing up the fact that they're more of a bromance because I suppose to look at something like The Hangover, which is, like I said, can be mean-spirited. Even a film, you know, we've quite enjoyed Craig, uh, what's it called, Due Date. Yeah. You know, even that can be, like, very, like, you know, mean-spirited in some Yeah, way. but I, lo- I love it for its mean-spiritedness. <laughs> yeah. But when you compare it to something like this, or then you look at things like Neighbours and um, a lot of the Seth Rogen, uh, James Franco films, a lot of those are based on, like, their friendship and everything rather than them being rivals as, like, I think films in, you know, the 80s, 90s, early noughties would have done. So, and I guess it's kind of like, you know, men being more comfortable with that aspect of themselves, how that's kind of, like, evolved. So, you know, it is, it's a, it's a lighter watch in that sense. But, yeah, there's a lot of memorable stuff in 22. And it's interesting because we've almost gone back again with Rush Hour. I think you mentioned, Aaron, this is like, oh, yeah, another film in which I prefer. Yeah, I did think I did think that. I was like, oh, why do we always, like, end up talking about the first ones that I'm not, A, not as well versed in, and B, prefer the sequel. But uh, I think this is, a, I, feel free to disagree, but I think 21 Jump Street's a much better film than the original uh, Rush Hour, if we're talking original yeah, yeah. Uh, buddy cop movies. Um because there's less racism in it as well guys there's less racism i think it's quite subversive 21 jump street you you expect the jock guy's going to be the cool guy and the nerdy fat guy is going to be the nerdy fat and then it's like oh no times have changed and the nerds saving the the environment's cool now you know why don't you care exactly and i do love channing tatum's uh, budding friendship with the group of super nerds and he's like doing the force death grip and you know kneel before zard i think that i think and i think it gets some really good jokes in about you know i i do find the whole thing about the teacher you know be fancying <laughs> channing tatum because there's there's so many films where it you know where like male teachers leer at teenage girls and also he's not a teenager so it's not inappropriate and I just find that I find that really funny, where she's like really thirsting after him, and he's a moron. <laughs> and, I just can't believe they yeah. actually just ruined the tension of that joke in like sort of a, a mid-credit scene where they actually just shows them having sex. Yeah, <laughs> and even just the joke in the limo as well. I was like, is this like bad sort of like representation? I was like, well, no, it's just kind of like saying this girl is just drunk and Wait, stuff which, like that. Which particular joke? When he's like in the sunroof and he's like, no, stop, stop. Yeah. I'm trying to shoot you. And she's like trying to pull down his trousers. And I was just like, that kind of stuff. No, I think that's fine. Yeah, I think that's actually it, fine. It is funny because it's just the way that it's played. It's not saying like, oh, it's just because, you know, she she's this way inclined. It's just like, no, she's just drunk and she's just in the mood. You know? Yeah, and she then, clearly doesn't know what's going 
going on. The bit with the bit where they go to the ev- evidence locker because they're going to throw a house party, and he he's like he's like a pound of cocaine. We're trying to throw a party, not ruin their ruin lives. Ruin their lives, yeah. Pound of weed, best party ever. Yeah, and and they even give some like agencies to like you know the choose your words wisely, <laughs> exactly, David. Yeah. The women who work. Do you want to just say what you want to say? <laughs> we'll cut it out later. Just her name oh, is yeah, cinnamon, the ladies like, of the night. Cinnamon and who gets together with. Oh, yes, the escorts. Yes. <laughs> yes, escorts. There you go. It's like even them, yeah. you know, there's no kind of like derogatory like way they act, you know, act around them. The fact that like Chan Tatum's character just comes in, he's like, hey, Cinnamon. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was yeah they're brought in later and it looks like they're all having like a an orgy in the bar, uh, in the in the bathroom stall. Yeah. And then it just turns out they're listening in on the headsets. Yeah. It's a really good evidence here. <laughs> I mean, David mentioned in the in the intro sort of like how many great actors that went on to do a lot of exciting things are just like you know, uh, not, well, have a brief involvement in this movie. Uh, yeah, you've got Jake Johnson there as the head teacher, Nick Offerman as their boss. And the whole Miranda Wright's, like, running joke I thought was good, similar to the can Jonah Hill, like, aim and stuff. But in terms of the bit part actor, I was even shocked as, so the guy with the glasses, um, who's part of the nerd group, um, I don't know if anybody else got this, but he plays in the big short. He's sort of Ryan Gosling's like maths guy. And he actually has like a cutaway to the camera. He's like, oh, he likes to tell people I'm that because, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, I tried to place him. And then obviously the, t- the teacher that wants to sleep with Channing Tatum, that's Aaron from The Office. The woman in the limo, she's another character from The Office. This whole thing's like an office reunion. It's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. For me, the one I really enjoy is... Um... The guy I said there's in in the loop. Uh, he, I think he I think he's yeah, one. We of, got Chris Parnell, Johnny yeah, Pemberton. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Pemberton. I think he's one. He is one of the like nerd right, nerd right. group as well. Right? Yeah, because it's like the one who's like the blonde curly hair. You're talking about the one who's on the computer yeah. when they're in the yeah. stall. Yeah. But basically, he has a small part in in the in the loop. That I always just recognize him for where he just has to be sarcastic to Malcolm Tucker and just gets the absolute <laughs> uh, shit ripped, ripped out of him. I know for the it. one you mean. He's he's in Superstore. I know, I know him from Superstore. Oh yeah. Which is a lovely, a lovely show. Which yeah, Johnny watch. Pemberton. Wait, he's in Superstore. When's he? Who's he in that? He plays. He plays one of the characters, Cheyenne's. Uh, oh, of course. Of course. White, oh my god. White trash <laughs> husband. Yes. I feel <laughs> such a fool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah he's I like, you know, he's like, oh yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I love the the guy. rapper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. The cast of Superstore is 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 great. It's deceptive. And even even just thinking about Rob Riggle, because I do think he steals the film. That bit where he catches them when they've taken the drugs, and uh, and he's like he's like putting the guy he's putting his tongue back in his mouth. Yeah, he's like he's like put your tongue away, put your tongue away. <laughs> he's like he's like trying to push it back in. It's My favorite so line tough. in that is when he says like, "Don't blow on me, son." I yeah. just don't think anybody else could have like pulled that off as well as him. In which he's like quite well. Obviously, you don't see him because they're tripping, but he just like pulls off the seriousness of where he would be like saying it without thinking like what it sounds like for me my favorite side character was the principal because he had two of my favorite lines of the film uh that being seriously nobody around here including me is doing anything to solve this (laughs) and also i'm one gay black kid being punched away from the fight yeah i do think this film i do think this film is is it is a it is a good one and i think if you're gonna revamp a tv show Especially one that's quite dated, mm. you know, because there was a spate of it in the nineties. They they were like every sort of dad show got a movie. You know, Mission Impossible is the one that you know works and was good. But they did like a Brady Bunch movie. They did uh, 
an old James Garner uh, show called Maverick, which was like a like a cowboy show. Yeah, Bob Gibson did it. They did loads of them, and they didn't work. And then they sort of were like, "Oh, TV sh- movies based on TV shows don't work." And it's like, "Well, no, they work when they're good." Like case in point, Twenty One Jump Street. If you when when I heard that, oh, they're dusting off that that show that Johnny Depp did at the beginning of his career. You're gonna make a movie out of that. That's gonna be awful. And then it's like. Well, not when you're clever about it and you've got good yeah. script, because the opposite is like Baywatch, where you're like, "Oh Christ, Baywatch!" Baywatch wants what Twenty One Jump Street had, yeah. although Baywatch did. Baywatch did have one bit that did make me laugh, which is uh, say it, and I was work out if I need to judge you or not. Go for it. Well, Yahya Abdul Mateen the second is talking to Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron. And he's like, you caused loads of public damage. And Zac Efron goes, yeah, because we were in lifeguard pursuit. And he's like, oh, okay, that's fine then. He said, there's no goddamn thing, it's lifeguard pursuit. That okay, bit yeah, I find really funny. That's fine, that's fine. But what Baywatch gets wrong, 21 Jump Street gets right. It's so, in because a lot of the story beats are the same. A lot of the yeah. jokes are the same. You know, there's the fat guy that gets with the unimaginably attractive person. And they do they do that in 21 Jump Street. Jonah Hill gets with Brie Larson. Now, objectively, Jonah Hill is not as good looking as Brie Larson. But no, it, I agree on it's that. done in Although, such a great way. Whereas in Baywatch, it's like, why is she like, why is he? Yeah. It makes There's- no sense. As crazy as it sounds, there's almost like a groundedness to Twenty One Jump Street because, like you say, like Brie Brie Larson, she's she's great, she's Brie Larson and stuff. But Baywatch, it's kind of everyone's been supermodelified to such a degree where it's like, well, why do I even care about these people because they just look like caricatures being like bashed together like action figures kind of things. Like the irony is, is that Zac Efron's on record as saying he felt dirty after it and that he was in the best shape of his life, but mentally he kind of like hated it the entire time. Whereas you get the impression with 21 Jump Street that everyone was having a fun time, uh, Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill included. Um, and like, I, I almost forget that it was Brie Larson in this movie until I sat down and watched it again, because since obviously she's ascended to the Marvel, she's been adopted by the Marvel hive mind. And public and, uh, hatred. <laughs> and public hatred, arguably. Um, but with the Brie Larson factor... I, I'm kind of because obviously it's just a few years before that we get a film called Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and she almost looks like she's more developed as an actor actress in Scott Pilgrim than she is in Twenty One Jump Street because she's playing like the every girl in this almost, whereas in Scott Pilgrim she's not that, and it's kind of weird to see where her career goes. And I'm just sad that Scott Pilgrim versus the World wasn't the one that made two hundred million at the box office and Twenty One Jump Street. I mean, it's a good, you know. It's no Scott Pilgrim. But, yeah. uh... <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I really like Brie Larson. And I think, you know, I'm a big like defender of, of the Captain Marvel film, uh, you know, for people who just say, oh, it's, you know, it's not the greatest, but not so much against the people who, just ha- yeah. who hate it for other reasons. But um, yeah. but I think that... I'm, I'm, I'm Thor the Dark World's biggest defender, David. So oh, do not worry you're, you're about in, that. I'm in safe space. I but... like Wonder Woman 1984. I will yeah. defend that. We're, we're, so, yeah, it's all coming exactly. out now. Oh, well, yeah, the, Exactly. <laughs> That's definitely a podcast in itself. But um, the the one thing that Brie Larson, some people I think take the wrong way and stuff is that sometimes she come across as emotionless, which some people say with like Captain Marvel, for example. She's playing a very difficult character because she's meant to be this kind of like 
strong stoic kind of character and with something like scott pilgrim she's able to come out with this more kind of like kooky sort of like wild character and i think obviously in her like oscar winning performance there it's very much a part of her character that she's like traumatized and stuff like that so she's going to be very like within herself whereas here i think it's like you said aaron i think it's just more that she's just playing the every girl and there wasn't enough direction whereas the girl in the second film is a bit more developed as like what that character is meant to be you know she's a college student she's like you know into that kind of like group within college whereas here i guess she kind of thrives off just the lines in which she's trying to be like you know this is what a modern you know school girl is like in which she's I like can't oh, tell if you're criticizing her or not no i'm not i'm just saying that like this is just a script thing which is not her fault kind of thing i, mean, I thought but, she was fine in this yeah no no i'm saying she she is fine weirdly i for some reason thought that she threw up on jonah hill when he like came over to her at the ambulance i'm like is this some other film which i thought of like i thought she was going to mm, throw up on him sounds like that could when, happen yeah. yeah when when he goes up to her at the end but it's, um, um it's weird as well because like thinking about what it gets right as well is that the core audience for this film is people that probably have never even heard of 21 Jump. I like hadn't. The TV yeah, show. never knew about it. Yeah. Well, I, I knew of it because I was, not so much anymore, I was a Johnny Depp fan. So I did know that he was in a TV show. Um, and so when his cameo at the end comes up, I was like... Did you know about Did you see it coming? Because I didn't the first time. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming at all. But I was a bit like, are people going to get that this is a show re- a reference to the tv show because it's not like it's not like you know friends or something where it's like an iconic show i don't think people it's not very good the show wasn't very I, good I, thought, I, I know johnny depp he's caught in all kinds of like trouble potentially and like you know in his personal life he does some questionable things but like this came out around 2012 and i think this is still the time where johnny depp like gave a shit uh, to put it bluntly and even in this like small cameo that he has he like i mean they clearly only had him for a day and i don't believe for a second that he was ever on set with like the majority of these actors other than like the other henchman guy who's got to stand in the foreground to make it look more cohesive but like when you first see that gang in the park by the tree near the beginning and there's that guy which we now know is in prosthetics like that's clearly not johnny depp but they sell it just enough and um I thought it was really cool that because obviously you find this out afterwards, but even the guy who was with him was another guy from the original TV show. I don't know the actor's name, but it's quite funny to see like Johnny Depp's star ascend all this way. This other guy's gone on to like write a few bits, produce a few bits, but they still managed to get both back. And I think again, I keep coming back to it, but that's like the Lord and Miller uh, factor. Just they show that they care regardless of how obscure the source material is. They treat it with respect. Mm. So basically you're saying where Johnny Depp is, he gives a shit. Three years later, Mordecai in 2015 is where he's lost his oh. comedic integrity. Potentially. I could get through well, Mordecai. To be, to be fair, when I said I, I used to be a fan of his, it, it actually has nothing to do with personal stuff. It's that around, 20, around 2009, 2010, I started to realise that he was phoning it in. Yes, Alice yes. in Wonderland, Rum Diary, Dark Shadows, mm. and since then I've not. He's yet. To, I know he was passable in Fantastic Beasts too. Yeah, but the film was terrible. But like, I've just not seen anything from him since. You know, maybe Sweeney Todd, where I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a guy that cares. Now, Nerd on the Orient Express, maybe. maybe. But like Twenty One Jump Street, I think the reason. Oh yeah, I forgot he was in that. <laughs> yeah. Not for very long, spoiler alert. But like, I no, feel like no, yeah. the, the reason why I maybe got this impression that he's doing a good job in 21 Jump Street is because he's just playing like a normal guy. 
Like Johnny Depp can play normal, and I don't know why. I guess it's not fun for him. But do you remember? Was it that Black Mass film where he plays Whitey Bulger? Is that the character's name? Oh, and he yeah, is just such yeah, a character. Yeah. Like I can't take this seriously. Like it's meant to be the super dramatic scene. I think I think part of it is going to be given that it's one of his earlier, like the show was one of his earliest roles. He probably is just like, okay, yeah, this is paying homage to this. So I'm just going back to the type of acting that sort of started me off. So if if he was like his sort of usual like quirky low like low mono like fragmented performance um i do not understand how he would get another role after that so he has to be regular it's almost like it's an anti johnny depp performance in some ways like the fact that he's in a kind of a labra costume with a fake nose and stuff it's as if like now if he made a film and he was dressed up as the mad hatter and then took off the mask it was like no actually i'm this badass guy and then starts shooting people it's like he's almost like free of the like you know goofy johnny depp there for a moment and i think he he, he plays a bit he has a bit more fun with it like that moment where you came to me and my wife's wedding he's just like you know was he's like tough titties, you know, I f***ed her afterwards and all this. You're like, oh, no, oh yeah, you played sax at my sister's wedding. Yeah, yeah. Well, I f***ed her afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's weird because Johnny Depp as well, like whatever else is true of him, he does kind of a hold, maybe he doesn't think the roles are very good, but he does sort of acknowledge where he came from because there was, um, I was watching a documentary on the Nightmare on Elm Street films and he was in the first one. He plays the boyfriend. And, uh, Wes Craven was talking about how he was like, um, Johnny Depp was interviewed years later. He was very nice about my film. And Johnny Depp talks about his death scene. He gets sucked into his own bed and then all this blood spurts out the top. And he goes, yeah, it was a pretty good death. <laughs> so he, he kind of does acknowledge where he's come from. But I think, you know, also it's a chance to make fun of it as well. I, I think it, Definitely, stand, this film stands out because I didn't know about the show. I didn't know he was in it, so it was just the most surprising cameo I've yeah. ever had, like in a film. Like probably the only other one that springs to mind is like Darth Maul in Solo or something like that, in which you're like, "Whoa, what?" what the when hell? there's oh, a Lord God. and Miller connection with that film as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this is a deep cut, but I just didn't know that connection, so it still worked for me because I thought it's like, "Oh my God, it's Johnny Depp!" Like you know, huge Hollywood movie star. So. It kind of worked in that sense, even though I didn't know what they were actually See, that referencing. That one works. And then you get to Baywatch and Pamela Anderson shows up at the end. And I was literally oh. like... Right. And David Hasselhoff. Like, you're waiting for it in, the, in that movie. David you know Hasselhoff's I mean? cameo is him Street. having a beer with Dwayne Johnson. It's not even in the film. It's in the credits. And it's not even like a scene where he's like, he's playing a role. He's just chilling with Dwayne Johnson, drinking beer. It makes no sense. I mean, one good cameo I definitely also want to defend in this situation, Tommy Wiseau in Disaster Artist. <laughs> yeah. Showing up as a completely different oh, character. Yeah. And he's like, the hell are you like yeah. me? <laughs> 20, 21 Jump Street, I think, is is sort of the, the benchmark of like, you're going to take this old show that maybe, you know, hasn't aged well and you want to revamp it because it's an IP and everyone needs an IP. It's like, we'll do it like that. Or if you're going to take an action franchise, you've got to do Mission Impossible. Mission, I think Mission Impossible and 21 Jump Street are like the gold standards of this is how you take a, an old show that you, you know, and Star Trek. The new Star Treks as well are quite good for that as well. You know, you take something that's a bit kitsch, a bit, you know, hasn't aged well, and you sort of revamp it for a modern audience. And you kind of, you don't, you don't, it doesn't dump on what the show was 
but it does go look it's ridiculous to get police officers who are like all right they're like meant to be 30 and you know the recurrent joke where they're like you look very old to be a high schooler uh, 22 jump yeah. street does that great thing was like are we going to high school again man you look like you're 50 yeah well this it almost references you know the the idea itself isn't it is it either is it ice cube who says it about like you know oh well that's what we do now we just rehash things from the past and hope that nobody notices or is it nick it's nick offman nick offman's completely run out of ideas on paul's point like that this has been tried almost i want to say like a decade before with a little movie called starsky and hutch yes yeah uh, starring ben stiller and Owen well again Wilson. that Ooh, makes it. me think of like Ooh, dukes it. of hazard and you know all of those oh, yeah, types dukes of, of hazard. things but i feel like the mistakes that those movies made it's like right it's literally the characters it's literally like the same sort of setup whereas 21 jump street it takes place in the continuity of the tv show but it adds to it and takes it in a due direction to be its own thing whereas you know i didn't personally grow up with starsky and hutch or dukes of hazard but whenever i imagine you know that generation looks at ben stiller they're not seeing you know whoever that character is meant to be yeah to me this is interesting in the sense that they kind of kick start because it's very much a lord and miller thing as well but I don't know if you guys got examples, but it starts that whole trend of being very self-aware and kind of like meta in your humor. I think a lot of animation started to do that off the back of the Lego movie as well, in which, you know, even like a lot of DreamWorks, etc. is doing like, oh, yes, we're acknowledging this is a movie and things like that. And they're acknowledging like, oh, yes, we're doing this because this is the bit of the film in which it happens. So I think 21 Jump Street started that off. And obviously 22 Jump Street builds on it a lot as well. By, you know, there's in this film, they have the joke of like, oh, it didn't explode and building yeah. up those expectations, yeah, et cetera. <laughs> Whereas in 22 Jump Street, then again, it's got that entire end credits, credit sequence oh. in which is literally is just like, right, you know, here's the best like, post credit sequence. <laughs> ever you sons of bitches are going to medical school. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. What, what, what uh, contract dispute? What, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, they just got some new glasses. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> just no. literally Seth Rogen sat there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You've got to pause that to read the taglines as well. Like the taglines for each of those posters, I think uh, when they go to like ballet school, the tagline is point and shoot. It's like, <laughs> so, or like putting their privates on the like, it's so clever. Yeah. Again, with 22 Jump Street, like that end sequence alone, it really is like Lord and Miller saying like, we, we're, this is everything we've got. Like, don't ask us to do this again. <laughs> yeah. Give us a blank check. We've rehashed the same movie twice that was already rehashing a TV show. I just want to say that the opening scene of this movie, because it'd been so long since I'd watched it, where Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum are literally meant to be in high school. I, I wasn't sure for a good five minutes there if I was like, are they undercover? Are we like mid-job with Channing Tatum? And like, are, are they already part of the Jump Street thing? And then it's almost like, I know Jonah Hill's got this like hair dyed blonde and stuff, but it's almost like he's stood like it's like a long distance shot to make him look smaller when compared to the girl he stood next to like as if they tried to like change his height um i don't know if that was ever intended by lord and miller yeah the downside is this this film doesn't have a particularly good villain whereas, whereas um peter Stormont as uh as the ghost and his daughter and he's always good. He's like, why does nobody do the fun drugs anymore in 22 <laughs> jump street always but he's like when, he, when they're all talking about Wi-Fi, and he's like, "Why does nobody do cocaine?" Yeah. <laughs> I love the I love the daughter in twenty. It's when they're having the fight, and she goes to kiss him. It's like, "What are you doing?" It's like, "I thought there was yeah, that emotional yeah. scene." I'm very confused. <laughs> <laughs> and then she like goes, "It's like, no, stop doing that." I, I will say though, I do because. As we know, again, we're talking about troublesome actors. Dave Franco has turned out to be the better Franco brother. And I do think that he 
he does a good job in this film and he goes on to do great stuff in Neighbours, etc. And I think, again, this was a good comedic turn for him because, you know, there's that bit where he's just like, you know what happens in jail? You know, it rhymes with great and stuff like that. And like when you then see that followed up in 22 Jump Street, the fact that like Rob Riddle is so great that he's like playing the like, you know, sort of more like butch character, which he's just like, you shut up. You t-, and he's just like, I'm sorry. And he's like dominating him in that s- scenario. I it's know, just funny yeah. how that's evolved. Yeah, in this film, I think Dave Franco, he does a good job of being like, you know, you guys narcs, you know, and it's just like, well, that's confusing because you say about like, you know, only a narc calls a, a person a narc. <laughs> and he, he plays that well, I think, of the like cool env- environmental guy you know, who still has that, like, freak-out moment. Oh, and I, I will say, like, I, again, this episode's all about connections, but one of the, one of Dave Franco's sort of, like, posse, uh, he played, I looked it up because I was like, that it, it isn't, is it? Because, again, this is the sort of film where, in order to make it more believable that Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum could pass as, you know, high school students, they've also, like, you know, aged up. Like, I think Brie Larson was in her early 20s or mid-20s when she was in this film. Uh, one of Dave Franco's posse... Uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he plays Detective James Carter in the Rush Hour uh, TV series uh, that came out in 2016. So in a roundabout way, I'm blowing Paul's mind here, just for the record. (laughs) Um, I've never watched the Rush Hour TV series. Only one season, funnily enough, 13 episodes. Uh, I never watched the Lethal Weapons series either. When we discussed the film and I was like looking like clips up online and stuff, I was like, oh yeah, there was the TV show. If you made me watch that, I actually (laughs) might have just quit the show. (laughs) But they give Jackie Chan's character like a first name because obviously in the three movies he's just called Detective Lee and he's got a very underwhelming first name I'll say. Gary. <laughs> but when I think of like... <laughs> no, it's it's going to be Ken because it will be around the same time as that American Idol like meme. Okay. Ken Lee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we were saying about some of the great oh, jokes God, though, you guys said about like... Um, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill like I think where you really get to see like their relationship growing and them as actors in terms of like maybe sort of riffing or like doing device stuff I don't know if this was in the script or not but it comes across as a kind of like in the moment gag is just when they have to put their fingers in each other's like mouths and then he's just like I'm sorry I'm sorry I just can't I just can't I just can't sometimes and he's just like is it me I'm sorry it's just like that's just so perfect I think the way they it it, it, it's almost similar to again the kind of you know walk of shame that happens in the next one it's just such a clever way that they approach it so seriously um I can't work out how the producers thought that that would work with a men in black film yeah, I exactly. I can't. I'm so glad we got Men in Black International instead of whatever that crossover is going to be. Am I right, guys? Well, I, I think right? they were almost building it up to be like, oh yeah, this great comic duo that were in like Thor Ragnarok and this great comic duo that was in this film. So maybe they wanted like, but it's like such it a grounded like Twenty One Jump Street's like a it's a comedy, but it's quite gr- it's grounded. Yeah, the only yeah. The only psychedelic thing is when they're literally on drugs. Or the only yeah. other thing I thought they could do is just take that end credit scene from 22 Jump Street and this is just one of the alternatives. They just yeah, play on just, that. But I it, don't you know. know how it ever would have worked. I mean, it's no. like, I know that people like franchise crossovers and stuff. The only one, it's a bit like when people are like, oh, Fast and Furious and Jurassic World. And it's like, that wouldn't, yeah. work, that wouldn't work half as well as what I think should happen, which is... Fast and Furious should cross over with Transformers because they're transforming into cars. 
the movies are about cars. <laughs> yeah, and but also, Paul, you're forgetting one important rule. The, the only reason that the Men in Black 22 Jump Street film is going to happen, both owned by Sony, Universal owns uh, Jurassic World and yeah. Fast and Furious, whereas Paramount's got Transformers. So it's they not should. They, happen, need to, they need to team up for some synergy. So, so it needs to be like top, Vin Diesel. Top Gun. Top Gun and Transformers. Top Gun then. and Transformers, yeah. Starscream versus yeah. Maverick. Let's go. It's, can you not imagine like Vin Diesel driving a car? It goes off a cliff. He You're jumps out now, the car. The, the car transforms into Bumblebee. And then Bumblebee grabs him and like throws him into a helicopter. And he's like, and he's like, you might be a Decepticon, but I got something more powerful. Family. And does does Bumblebee shout "Damn!" just before he catches him? It'd be whatever radio uh, frequency he can find. Yeah, Yeah, that is true. He'd find Michelle Rodriguez from the movie Fast and Furious and use that. Talking of cars, I thought in this film again is a very clever sequence was the the driver's ed car. And what I loved about it as well, especially (laughs) the start, it just again this shows the level of like comedy that like Lord and Miller are working with in terms of like it being grounded, like you said, Paul, is that in other films they like might be like, Oh my god, what are you doing? You know, like a Ken Chung sort of character or something like that, like really like play up the comedy of it. But it's just the fact that they drive off with it and the guy just goes, guys, guys, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love that. But it's also That's... like what it sets up for the, you know, similar what we see with the drama teacher where he's just like, I should step in here, but I just don't want to kind of thing. I think that's built up really well. Like Pan Oswalt is in the second one as well. He's like perfect for this kind of franchise. But you get the same vibe from the paramedic at the end. He's just like, I, I, I guess I'll go. Now. Yeah. You know? but, but, but even <laughs> I'm just here to an, do my job and everyone's having a movie around me. <laughs> even in terms of an action sequence, I think that that works really well because we're talking about like, you know, buddy cops and like, you know, comedic duos. So to literally put them in a car in which both people yeah. have control of the brakes and the wheel I'm like, that's perfect. That's such a good choice. The fact that at that moment they are fighting and they are like at odds and he's just like, you know, you shouldn't stop so far back. And then they hit that guy with the bike. And, you know, I've seen it a few times and I I still, I'm like, oh God, you know, like when that guy's jumping on there, I can, yeah, get stressed about that. But it's a funny scenario. Grab your cassettes, rewind them and play them again because it's time for VHS Corner. This week, I thought I'd take us a little bit behind the behind the scenes of this film. So I've got a couple of things, some of them connected, some of them not. Let's just see where we go with it. So obviously, I think we need to talk about this film's connection and the way it pays homage to the original TV series of 21 Jump Street. So there's a couple of things. So one, every time they go back to the chapel, uh, they encounter those two female officers who tout their own exploits, including busting a prostitution ring and busting a chop shop run out of a high school auto shop. Both of these were cases that were solved within the original TV series of 21 Jump Street. So it's very much showing the sort of storylines that happened there. Um, also, Channing Tatum's character being called Jenko, um, the, uh, the original captain in the squad of the TV show was Captain Richard Fen- uh, Jenko, played by F- uh, Frederick Forrest. Uh, so that's another way in which they're paying um, uh, homage. And finally... Pretty much all of the original cast members from 21 Jump Street uh, have cameos in this film. I couldn't find a list that actually listed them specifically, but apparently they are all there, except for two, who are Richard Greco and Dustin Nguyen. Um, however, there is a scene in which the bad guys are watching the original TV show, and almost every shot that they have shows Nguyen's character. 
They both, however, do go on to later cameo in 22 Jump Street. So they do at least come back in that particular way. One thing I obviously love about films like this, I like to look at the, the people who could have been in this film and look at some of the potentials. So here are some of the people who did uh, audition, uh, audition for roles in this film. So we have Juno Temple, um, uh, Julianne Howe, Gemma Ward, and Jennifer Lawrence could have been in this film. Emma Stone was also considered for the lead female role, but she had to drop out due to The Amazing Spider-Man. So I know how David feels about this. However, this is the one that personally hurts me and everyone who's a fan of the show will know how much this hurts me. So originally, uh, the character played by Nick Offerman, so uh, Deputy Chief Hardy, it wasn't going to be Nick Offerman. Uh, so... It was going to be J.K. Simmons. And so basically when he was on the Howard Stern show, he revealed that he was, he was considered for that role, but scheduling conflicts prevented him from being cast. Once he saw the film, he said it's one of the few that he genuinely would have liked to have played purely for the comedy value. So he is my favorite actor. He would have, for such a small role, he would have put his heart into it. And I'm saddened. As much as I love Nick Offerman, right? I think the guy is great. My boy JK is called my boy JK for a reason. He is my boy JK. Uh, from JK to JH, we now talk a lot about Jonah Hill's involvement specifically with this film. Because as much as he was only really involved in like the story aspect uh, of writing of the film, he put a lot into making uh, into making what this film what it was because there's a lot of things that wouldn't have happened had it not been for his efforts. So here's a few things. He ended up having to lose over 40 pounds for this role because he and Channing Tatum were required to do severely physical demanding stunts. Channing Tatum himself even passed on the movie twice before Jonah Hill physically was the one to convince him to do it. And obviously now... Look at where he is now. With the, he came back for the second one and just his career as like a comic actor has definitely gone up. Uh, but also when writing the film, specifically um, when writing for the character of uh, Captain Dixon, so Ice Cube's character, he wrote it specifically with Ice Cube in mind. So he made sure very much to get him in the role. Funnily enough, though, Ice Cube mostly improvised his lines, which for this film, I think, can get away with because he doesn't have anything that's like grounded. If he had to do that for the second one, imagine some of those classics being because of Ice Cube. And finally then, uh, insofar as the writing, uh, one edit that had to happen, I understand why it had to happen. I would have chuckled like mad at the first one, but it might have been far. Because uh, so we uh, so we know in like the first drama class, there's a line from uh, Chris Parnell as the uh, as the drama teacher where he says, uh, "I was doing cocaine with what uh, Willie Nelson's horse." That wasn't the original line. The original line was doing cocaine with Whitney Houston's niece. Yeah, and wow. obviously after she died, they were very much like, "We we probably should change that line, shouldn't we, guys?" Um, and so they obviously did. So instead, we now have a beautiful, beautiful story of a drama teacher doing cocaine with a horse. But with that, that is VHS Corner for this week. So what did you guys think? The Jennifer Lawrence casting is not surprising, considering, again, the type of actress they were going for, I yeah. guess, with Brie Larson. And both two actresses, again, which come under the same criticism of like, oh, she looks so grumpy, etc. So 
that that makes sense in terms of who they were we'll going never for. get jk simmons asking channing tatum and jonah hill to get them get to get in pictures of spider-man and that makes me uh very sad i know and he went on to become another you know detective with uh jim gordon i mean he plays he knows what he's good at right he's a chameleon he can do whatever he wants he is i i love jk simmons so much i'm so i'm so glad whiplash like got him you know to a point because and i would have loved he would have been so good how anybody got through that the miranda writes thing where he's like you know you have the right to be an attorney i mean to be fair captain he does have a right to be an attorney yeah, so- <laughs> i guess the only thing, i guess the only thing with jk like nick off offerman offerman yeah would have been he's so he's so deadpan that yeah. he can make that work uh, jk is very expressive but also i think that you kind of leave that scene where it is and you're happy because he's he plays more like one note one scene characters whereas like i think you would have wanted more from jk like you might have wanted to be like oh can he be like you know ice cube's like character jk or something simmons like that. would have like so, come in at the end when the ambulance and like everything's all over and the flashing lights jk simmons yeah. like, well boys you did it or something like that like just as a nice little bookend i could see that happening the cameos also make sense it's like what you were saying aaron earlier about like they care you know they want to put in the effort the fact that they still got like the people who didn't have the cameos to like come back for the next one. But also just made sure they had some representation within the film anyway, but just having him even on TV screens. Yeah, and I feel like at the start, is it like the headmistress? Like she seemed familiar to me. So maybe she's like a cameo. You said you couldn't find like a full list. But when she's talking to Chan Tatum's character and she's like, you know, you're lucky you graduated. I was watching her being like, I recognize her from somewhere. So I feel like she could have been a cameo because again, head teachers, those kind of like authority figures often when they are remaking stuff, it's often a fun thing to be like, oh, they were a teacher. That's a bit like um, saying about them showing the TV screen is a bit like uh, in the 2008 Incredible Hulk, like Lou Ferrigno has a cameo, but because um, Bill Bixby obviously had died by that point, there is a scene where he's watching TV and what he's watching is a Bill Bixby performance. So there is a similar thing. I quite like that, that you still, they still cameo in a way. I think that's quite, that's quite good. I thought you were going to reference Halloween and Halloween 3. It's interesting that um, Jonah Hill, you said that, um, wrote the character of Dixon, Dixon, Dickinson, with the yeah. Ice Cube in, in mind. Because he was firmly out of his are we there yet, are we done yet era uh, by this point, I want to say. That was like a couple of years prior. Um, not the best comedies, but they have their charms, I guess. And I'm sure like once he was in that role, um, having Straight Outta Compton included on the soundtrack just became a bit of a breeze. So two birds of one stone. I, I thought that... I, I... I didn't realize that that song was in in the film and especially so close to when you've just heard him talking as well which is quite funny and also and also it's literally referenced in the next film as well because that's one of the ones I didn't I didn't put down Uh, Queen Latifah uh, yeah, Queen Latifah's wife. asked where you're from. She went straight out of Compton. <laughs> yes. Also, Queen Latifah having a random cameo as, as Dixon's wife was random. I'm not even sure if I knew that his name no, was Dixon, like in terms of like when they just have like the cutaway and you just see like the little plaque. Yeah. And I was just I, like, oh, that's great. Because it's like, because he becomes a bigger character in the second one, I'm like, it's less of a like, oh, he's an angry man joke. And he's named this, you know, but I don't know if they even say it in the second one. But Is it, is it the first one? Is, is this one where Dakota yeah. Johnson's in it? Yeah, Jago- she's, yeah, the she's other, in this. She's the other detective. She's you're cracking like, cases. Dakota yeah. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Mimics the other girls. It's like, well, we, we haven't been popping each other's assholes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just, I, I love how they come in and they're always like, you know, they're dressed as cheerleaders, they're dressed as like marching band I members see, and stuff like there that. There was it's at one so point a female and... spin-off like based off of these films in development. I just want to see that movie where it's Dakota Johnson and her partner going off. Yeah. Like, I just figured yeah. it'd be boring as hell because they seem to be well, getting through case after maybe, case after case. I don't I don't think there's much fun. It's just like watching competent maybe people you have, doing like, their you make jobs. the movie like multiple cases and it's almost like a sketch show as a movie, like they're moving constantly. I see. I I I hear the word sketch show and movie, and I oh, think of the worst movie I've ever don't seen. That's actually getting <sighs> correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, it could be just the end credits to Twenty Two Jump Street, just to kind of like yeah, like yeah. yeah I'll give you that. I, yeah, yeah. Like if they literally had in the middle of like one of them is one of the female spin-offs. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap up our thoughts then as we now get to the movie vault. So uh, any points that we didn't get to talk about with story, feel free to bring them up here. Uh, but as we said earlier, this is our usual task of deciding whether today's film deserves a place in our movie vault. So we like to think of it as a time capsule of films, good and sometimes bad, that should be remembered for someone to dig up in the future. Maybe it deserves its fame, maybe it's been forgotten, or maybe it's great but just doesn't quite fit the bill. So should 21 Jump Street from 2012 gain the honour of a place in our movie vault and be remembered for all time? Craig, I'll come to you first because you suggested this film. Uh, what do you think? I mean, yes. Look, we all agree it's a very strong example of a reboot done well, showing how uh, showing how by using a bit of subversive comedy, uh, you can make something like this work. Can I also just make a pitch here? Because I know I know we haven't done this in a while, but I think we've also discussed Twenty Two Jump Street in so much like not quite equal detail, but we've all acknowledged to some extent that the stronger moments of that film are, are stronger than this film. And I just know that if we were, if somebody were to suggest it again, it would just be a repetitive conversation. Can I just advocate that we put both in? True. Like we have talked about that film quite equally in a yeah. way. And that's interesting because I was going to go to Aaron next to see what he thought. Because like Rush Hour, he was like, well, the second one is the better one. And yeah, but that. we didn't actually discuss that yeah. one in so no, far as like no. actual deep. We were just like, we know the second but, one but, is better. But does he then still think that the first but the first one should go in as well. The Rush Hour 2 episode of Well Good Movies is yet to be recorded, guys. I'm just letting you know. Um, (laughs) We'll talk about that (laughs) and the third one. (laughs) I don't know if they're like, you know, both both Is Craig putting both in the vault that I just hear? Is he advocating for? The first one should go in. I advocate we also put in 22 Jump Street. So I think that's a discussion for like the end. Yeah, I want to know... Yeah, the first film yeah. first. Because the film I think, that we agreed to talk because about Because I today. think it is like whether people come down to, no, it should be one or the other. Because I think one is the superior movie or like Craig is saying, are they both, you know, a set that they need to go well, in? Well, they are definitely a set. And like my answer, if the second one's included, is a is a hell yes. Because I think um, in terms of like the first movie by itself, like as well as the content of the movie, even though it's good, it's, it's hard to like judge it knowing like, in my opinion, how much more it's exceeded by the sequel but i almost think like the film holds obviously a lot of more importance just for the the careers it's responsible of launching the sort of as we touched upon how well it works out for channing tatum's career and and jonah hill so to be honest even if it's just the first one i think because of that despite not reaching the same high highs as the second one it probably deserves a space in the movie vault if you're gonna put uh demolition man in there then you gotta put 21 jump street that's all i'm saying (laughs) oh yeah we didn't even cross that (laughs) whole thing um so i'm still insanely pissed (laughs) i'm still insanely happy i love demolition man (laughs) it's such a divide uh paul what do you think 
Look, it cured anti-Semitism. Uh... It's got to go in the vault. I mean, David does say if a film has a strong cultural impact, you don't get stronger than eliminating bigoted views. Imagine that, just finding the movie vault in the future and there's Schindler's List and then the 22 Jump Street series or whatever next week. 22 Jump Street series? Whatever you want to call it. 21 Jump Street series. series. The two films. The Jump Street films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, Taking that out of it, I yeah, I think... I, I think even on its own merits as just a, a, a movie, I think it's very fun. Like it's funny, it's well written, it is a good example of how you reboot. It's a good example of doing a buddy comedy and going, look, we're doing a buddy comedy, it is what it is. But doing it in a modern way as well, not just, you know, not making fun of people it's kind of having a laugh with people and i think yeah i i think it deserves to go because i i it is yes good it's a good movie (laughs) i've got a question for david though is this is a separate issue but is 21 jump street is it a film does it feel like a film (laughs) i was gonna say about that actually because i was like oh is this like there's explosions does this mean it's a film (laughs) i I forgot that i hate you for that To be fair, wow. we didn't put in Night Before Christmas because we were like, it's not shot like a film. <laughs> no, definitely. I will say, though, that this film is testament to that point that, you know, again, it is feels more modern. You know, it, it looks different. It doesn't feel as filmic. But, you know, it's indicative of modern filmmaking. And I think that, yeah, I think Craig does bring up a good point, to be honest. It's like about how we've talked about both of them equally. Also, it's not like Rush Hour in which I think from what I assume people would say is that Rush Hour 2 can still stand on its own merits. The first film only really just sets up these guys know each other. This is how they meet. Whereas I think this film kind of like sets up the style of humor, sets up the relationship, sets up this type of storyline and even sets up the whole like you're going to school, then you're going to college. So you almost need the first film to build to that kind of second gag in a way. So I think that they should go in as a set as well. And that wouldn't be the case for Rush Hour because you could watch number two maybe as a standalone film. So I think number one, if it was just that, then yeah, it did enough for comedy and careers they should go in. But also the second one, I think we've talked about it enough that it should go into. I mean, also we have the literal example from Paul being like, look, I saw the second one first. I then felt I had to go and watch the first one. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so in goes 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street. Okay, endgame time. So today we're playing, by reboots, we mean get your shoes on to kick it in the bin. Because we've been talking a lot about like good reboots, but I think it's worth saying that there are lots of films out there which are just bad, bad reboots. They are just cash grabs, they are lazy, and they are disrespectful. Who are they the most disrespectful to? Obviously, people involved in the creation of the originals, you know, people who genuinely did have good ideas, people who genuinely put their hearts out there for people to watch these films um, and just to be disrespected. So what I've done is I found an article from whatculture.com, which is eight reboots that pissed off the original creators. And I'm going to give you the names of all eight of these films, which are on this list. In, I mean, what I'm also going to do is I'm going to include the name of the person specifically involved in the first one that it pissed off. 
And then I'm going to give you essentially seven, like, sort of quotes of things they said about the reboots of their films. And I want you to guess which film it's talking about. Okay, so there's seven quotes, but eight films you can choose from. So that means that one of the films won't have... I won't give you the quote. Hence why there's still a game involved. So you don't just get to the last one and be like, we know this. Um, Cool. Is everyone clear on the rules of the game? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But of course, before we actually get into the game itself, we need to know what it is we'll be playing for. As usual, you will have the opportunity to decide what film we discuss in the next episode. It can be a film that you suggest, or it can be one from somebody else. So we'll go around the room and just get a tease for what it is we could get. So David, tell us about your film. So mine goes in a very different direction to what we have this week. I think it would have been easy to stick with the same sort of genres or sort of vibes or again, going down the sort of duo aspect. Um, But the sort of link in terms of the duos is looking at kind of like a more epic storyline in which like two characters are sort of destined to do something to sort of change the world. Uh, The film I'm talking about is from 1982 and it also links to this film in terms of when we get the trippy drug scene There's a lot of crazy visuals in that film and there's a lot of like creepy imagery, which we get even, uh, especially when we see the cat, for example, uh, with uh, like Rob's voice over it, etc. So I'm thinking of having a film that is equally creepy, equally so like fantastical, very of the 80s and yeah, would be a fun time in terms of talking about lots of different aspects in terms of darkness and light. I have a feeling I might know what this is. And if I'm right, I think I watched this randomly about a couple of weeks ago. But we'll see. Okay, fantastic. So that's David's film from 1982. Let's go to Aaron. So my film very much riffs on the the sort of bromance vibe. um, And it is sort of kind of set within a similar era of comedy, I would say. It's about a platonic friendship that ends up, you know, conquering all, I'll say. is about... Two individuals that bond over a love of tacos, selling houses, Lou Ferrigno, but most importantly, the seminal progressive rock band Rush. And it's from 2009. Okay, interesting. An interesting setup. And I think finally... I know that one. <laughs> mm, I know, I'm trying. It's like this day on top of my tongue. But... And finally, we go to Paul. So. Just to take you guys and other people off of buddy cops and stuff, my, mine is connected in that it's also from a beloved show, but has a postmodern bent to it. It's self-referential, and it's from 2011. And I think we'll complement this and hopefully would open up the doors to other interesting avenues later down the line but it's still within the remit of you know looking at a a beloved show people remember fondly and sort of poking fun at it what year is it from 2011 so it's bay that's baywatch then um yeah get ready (laughs) (laughs) charlie's angels full throttle that's come on (laughs) okay interesting so we've got david's clash of identities from 1982 we have Aaron's bromance ship breakdown from 2009 and Paul's newer reboot 
thing from 2011. I didn't know how else to describe TV it. TV show reboot. So those are the films that are up for grabs. I, because I've been on a winning streak with getting my films discussed lately, I'm not bringing one forward. I know. If only to give David a chance. Why, why did he have to choose Night Before Christmas? <laughs> Shut up. But we now have a game to play. So... The eight films, are you ready to get these films? If you, I would try and write these down if I were you. So they're all in alphabetical order. So you don't have to worry. Uh, you don't have to worry about them being like revealing the order of the questions or anything. So we have Aladdin, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. That's all one title, by the way. Child's Play. Dawn of the Dead. Fame, Red Dawn, The Lion King, and The Wicker Man. Not the bees. <laughs> oh, that film. That may or may not be the reason why it's pissed <laughs> off. So just so that everyone at home knows those films again, the eight possible films for this round are Aladdin, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, Child's Play, Dawn of the Dead, Fame, Red Dawn, The Lion King, and The Wicker Man. So we've got seven summaries. And some of them will be absolute quotes. Some of them will be like me paraphrasing. Okay, so for this film, uh, the creator likened the experience of the film being remade as being mugged and considered suing MGM over the use of the original film's logo in this film. How well do you know your studios? <laughs> I, I think it's more how how iconic do you think one particular film's logo is mm, to it? True. I think Paul's giving me a film that isn't on the list. <laughs> He's broken the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you a chance to... Uh... So I, I win by default, though. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wait, wait, wait. What was the list of films again? Hang on. Okay, so... <laughs> it down. I know. I think I wrote one down wrong. So I think, so for, for reference, Paul sent me The Thing. I think yeah. what you probably heard was The Lion King. I must have, yeah, hang on. Uh, yeah, so the, the films I've got are Aladdin. Yeah. Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Yes. I can't say that fucking name for some reason. Uh, Child's Play, Dawn of the Dead, Fame, Red Dawn, The Lion Fame. King, The Wicked. Fame. Fame. Oh, fame. fame. I'm going to live forever. Yes, that yeah, one. That's what I was thinking once I oh, said. Fame. Right, okay. okay. <laughs> the thing. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Okay. Ah, right. right. So, so, <laughs> okay, so Paul, you've updated your answer. So instead of the thing, what do you think it is? I, what do you want me to say? Yes, please. Fame. And Aaron, you've gone for? Fame. And you are both? Correct. Hey, it is indeed such an fame. iconic logo. So this was Alan Parker who was upset by this and genuinely did try to sue uh, because they did not get his consent for specifically that logo. Yeah. Excellent. So that's one point to both of our guests. The next one, this film. So the creator of the original of this film accused the remake team of being clueless and had lawyers help them to remove their name from all marketing material because they were on the marketing material as like screenplay by. So which Can of you those say that would... one more time, uh, yep. Craig, for me? So uh, they accused the remake team of being clueless as to what the original was like 
and had lawyers help them remove their name from marketing material because they were down as screenplay by. So Ooh. think, which of those would be so bad that you'd actually get lawyers involved? I've changed my answer last second. I might regret it. Okay, so let's start with Aaron then. So, um, I think this is wrong. I went with Red Dawn. Okay, what would you have gone for? I was in and outing about Child's Play because it's such a different take on that script. Okay. Uh, but I actually think the right answer might be Bad Lieutenant, thinking about it now. Okay. I've, I've committed. So you've given me three different answers. Let's see if one of yeah, them sorry. ends up being correct. I'm covering my bases. Okay, and... <laughs> Paul, is your answer any of those three, or is it a different one? No, it's a different one. I said Wicker Man, but now I'm now I'm concerned that it is Charles. <laughs> okay. So let's go through this methodically. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Put us out of our misery, Craig. Is it Red Dawn? No. Ah. Uh, is it Bad Lieutenant? No. Is it Child's Play? No. Oh. Is it the Wicker Man? Yes. So that is a point to Paul. As soon as I saw that answer, I was like, yeah, that's that's probably the one I would go for. Yeah, so that was Robin Hardy who did indeed do all of that. Probably helped by Craig's comment, like, who would not want to be associated with this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, none of these are great. Right, number three. So potentially you know this one if you've if you've been on Twitter and saw a lot of ranting, because Due to the contract of the original, they um, they were given no compensation for this uh, remake being made. So they didn't get any compensation for the, having the original idea. So they ended up venting about this on Twitter a lot. Okay, so Paul, you have given me... Um, child's Play. I think I remember Don Mancini being angry. Okay. Okay, and then Aaron, you have given me... Um, I went for The Lion King because I remember there, I don't know if it was on Twitter, but there was something like the script's basically pretty much identical. And yeah, that's the route I went down. Okay. So is it Child's Play? It's not. Is it The Lion King? Also incorrect. Oh. It's Aladdin. Oh. Oh, so the other Disney one. Yeah, so... <laughs> I was Terry Ressio went va uh, venting on Twitter about uh, how how much he thought he should have been given something, but because in the original contracts uh, there was no stipulation for live action later down the line, so which granted you would even then I, I think there were like a couple of remade ideas under the yeah, one hundred one Dalmatians one but even if you think older right the the fact that like they had the Parent Trap around that time as well and the, that was a second one. I guess you would now. If you were writing for Disney now, you'd be now. like, and I want money when you live action remake it in three years. Yeah. They yeah. were so known for animation at that stage. Exactly. It would be like, yeah. oh, so... give me that directed VHS money, please. <laughs> you know? So number four. One of the uh, one of the original uh, writing slash production crew of this film stated, if you polled the crew of the original, most of them would say, Why? Did you really have to do that? It kind of hurts. This one is so generic. Like if you mm. don't mind me saying, this could go for. Yeah, know. some of some of them are like have like a little bit more specific details to make it easier, but yeah, it is the nature of this mm. game. I guess you have to think like, what would be a bad setting? What's interesting though is you've both given me the same answer. Oh yeah. <laughs> Look, Potter and Klein, we we ride together, we die together. That's how. So you've both given me. 
The, the Lion, Lion King. King. And that is correct. Hey. Oh. <laughs> and David said, oh, I jokingly thought that one. No, it's just true. <laughs> well, I just saw like, you know, like people being on a set and I was like, there wasn't really a set. <laughs> yeah. well, to, be, to be honest with you, The Lion King is my favorite film of all time. The, the 94 version is my favorite film. And when I, 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 went, I went to a staff screening when I worked in a cinema for the remake, and you one went of to my the cinema, did you, Paul? Yeah, no, I didn't mention it. And one of my mates was sat next to me, and he was like, "I could feel you for for two hours getting tenser and tenser." Yeah. And literally, he looked at me afterwards and went, "What did you think?" And I went, "Don't talk to me." <laughs> I was so angry. I was like, "What yeah. is the point?" It's exactly like the Beyonce the song. Me and Craig left oh that film, God. and literally, Craig was like, "Why was there a thing about a hair in a turd?" And it was just like, "Yeah." <laughs> next film. They said it lost its reason for being after the first 15 to 20 minutes and called it a video game where there was nothing going on underneath. I know this one. I do know this one. Oh, oh that's a confident answer. What's the most video game out of these? Video gaming. That's, that's kind of the quiz. So yeah. the answers. So, Paul, your very confident answer. Dawn of the Dead. Aaron, did you give me Dawn of the Dead? I went for the other Dawn movie, Red Dawn. Well, one of them is correct, and oh. unsurprisingly, it's Paul's. So it's uh... <laughs> of course it is. Uh, I, I, when you I have that much confidence, you deserve the point. <laughs> I remember. Do you know what it is? It's because I am a big fan of George Romero, and I remember him saying about the fifteen minutes because that opening of Dawn of the Dead is sick. And then, yeah, kind of. I still enjoy, I still like the remake of Dawn of the Dead, but I get what he means about. It's a video game. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know if there was enough confidence there of you being like, oh, I know which film turns bad after 10, 15 to 20 minutes. But <laughs> Okay, so we've got two questions left. So the creator of this original, they found the movie stupid and terrible and that filmmakers were more concerned with cool action scenes than a compelling story. Could be so many remakes. <laughs> Specifically, it can only be three of these films. <laughs> One of three of these films. Okay. Aaron, what did you go for? So I, I have not seen any of these films that remain on the list, but I went for Red Dawn again because I imagine it's the most action-centric out of the three. Okay, you've gone for Red Dawn. Paul? I also went for Red Dawn because... I remember it was awful. <laughs> and it's <laughs> stupid as well, because then they it was originally China and they digitally changed all Oh yeah, they <laughs> they digitally changed all the Chinese uh flags to North Korea because they were like, Oh, China's a big market and it's like <laughs> Yeah, that's genuinely what they did. Wow. Yeah. And that is the correct answer. Uh-huh. So now we've left with the last one. And this is this is all word for word what they've said. Uh, there might be small extracts that have been removed by the original article, but this is literally what one of the actors or actresses of the original said about this film. I think it's an un unbelievably huge move. I think it's a move, absolutely. I don't know why they would with a healthy franchise and nobody from the original franchise is involved. They're not going to have Brad, they're not going to have Don, and they're not going to have any of us. Cool, and you've both given me the same answer. Was there <laughs> Some would say that the answer for that is... Child's Play. Brad Dorf. It is indeed Child's Play. Uh, specifically, the actress who said that 
was Christina Lees. Funnily enough, it's 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 a shame. Abel Ferrara, who did the original Bad Lieutenant, when they announced the Werner Herzog one, he had a great thing, which was somebody said, "What do you think?" and he went. I hope they all die. I hope they're all in a car together and it explodes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, wow. You can just tell I didn't read that part of the yeah. article. And I, I was like, well, I just need seven. These seven are fine. I don't, <laughs> there's he, nothing he, interesting in there. He had a, a the, the Wicker Man had a great one, which was Edward Woodward was offered a cameo in the remake and he couldn't do it for, uh, I can't remember what the reason, I think it was a health reason. And uh, Nicolas Cage met him years later and um, he was like, "Oh, you're the you're the man that was in that remake of The Wicker Man." And Nicolas Cage went, "Yeah, you got really good reviews for my film." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh my god, that is not right. That is that. one way to look at it. <laughs> but one way we should definitely look now with this end game is to the results. So, David, tell us what the final scores were. Well, with them both getting the last two correct, not much changed there, but it just gave Paul a, a higher lead. But then Aaron still a respectable four, uh, but Paul winning with six. Congratulations. Yay! <laughs> and Aaron, I think you sort of set this up, didn't you say, when I invited you on, you were like, oh, like maybe Paul will win this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I set myself. So if I win or lose, I, uh, you know, I came out a champion, but, you know, it was, it was a game well played. So a win each because we exactly. are a team. We're a team working. So we'll get you on again no. in about another in about another five months. Whenever there's another buddy cop film, it's like other films exist, guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's see if we are if we are having some form of buddy cop movie this uh, in the next episodes of Paul between David's choice from 1982, Aaron's choice from 2009, and your film from 2011. Which film would you like to select? I'm going to go with my film. Uh, and my film is The Muppets. Oh, uh, fantastic. Life's a happy Weirdly, song. I was like, when once you mentioned that, I was actually like, oh, I swear that like I could have made another link here when you said about TV show, but yeah. But no, Muppets, fantas- uh, fantastic. It's kind of postmodern, we- makes fun of the TV show, but it's kind of loving, and I love that movie, and I, I hopefully you guys... Uh, put it in the vault or yeah because it's interesting we had an episode um during the pandemic which was talking about the muppets as a as an overall franchise and i think we put various muppet films mm. in but i don't think we did really no, talk that I much think about the muppets i talked about like most wanted as like the newer one yeah i talked about the original muppet movie um yeah so yeah. we didn't actually give this film much of an please opportunity me, there, so i'm glad that we actually you put muppets treasure island in the vault if that was in question oh that yeah, went that, straight that, in yeah i <laughs> That might have even been from an earlier episode. I know Christmas Carol it was in from one yeah, of our yeah, yeah. specials. The Muppets have got a good rep in the in the vault. <laughs> yeah, so so we'll get to see if there is uh, another way or another Muppets film to go in. I think we all know the answer to this, David. But please, if tell the people at home if they wish to watch along with us, where or oh, where could they possibly watch <laughs> the Disney-owned property <laughs> of the Muppets? You can uh, find it on Sky Store, Apple TV, Amazon, Rakuten, but also Disney A+. Plus, which if you are subscribed to. But yeah, you can catch it on a lot of rental services as well. Uh, you can catch it on DVD and Blu-ray, etc. Uh, go check it out. And yeah, please do watch along with us. Uh, it's a very fun film, very light. And yeah, we're, we're continuing that trend of uh, television shows as well, as, uh, as people will know from, again, how we got to... <laughs> this film in one way or another but yeah thank you paul for that one that's a a great recommendation and that will make next time's guests very happy as well i know that uh 
our guests are very big fans of all things felt and fuzzy as well. <laughs> well fans, all things fuzzy as well, hopefully. Yeah, all felt and fuzzy. So yeah, awesome. Go check out The Muppets if you want to join in our conversation or if you've seen it before. Obviously, you can catch our thoughts next time. Thank you both for joining us. It was a great endgame there as well. Uh, so, guys, let us know where can we catch you? What projects have you got on at the moment? Aaron, you teased earlier about some of the video game stuff you got going on. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at, at it's me, Aaron P with two A's and one R. Um, I write for the mirror of gaming these days primarily and uh but hopefully by the time this podcast is out my review for yeah zelda tears of the kingdom will be out if i haven't want, um turned myself into a crying puddle of a person by then um so yeah please give that a read and uh yeah follow me if you're of interest awesome go check it out and paul uh yeah you can find me on twitter paul klein yo with two o's and from there you can find my link tree which has my uh TikTok has my all my writing, everything I'm you know writing for Yahoo, writing for Filmhounds magazine. You can also find my letterboxed, which is Paul Klein Yo with one O, and that is not really where I do film criticism. It's where I make bad puns and I complain about tiny things that don't matter in films. It's my cinema sins area. It almost sounds like a comedic duo or like a very nineties thing with like your handles as well. It's like it's me, Aaron P, and like Paul Klein Yo. It's like <laughs> maybe there's like the ice cube kind of like rapping going on here. Maybe well. they're the ones suggesting films from the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out of a username on Twitter, you're like, oh, Paul Klein taken. Paul Klein one. Who taken. knows if Twitter's still gonna <laughs> be around Paul by there. the time this episode gets published? I don't know. It's playing it day by day yeah that that is like the continuous storyline of this jokes this... on y'all i don't use it <laughs> i have one i don't use it. Every, every episode you just hear progressively like it's, it's an interesting era especially when you got people like oh you can catch me on i don't know what were they called like buffalo and oh, like, yeah. all the like random ones mastodon yeah. mastodon that's it yeah so and now you're just gradually you're scaring people like they're not mentioning those but they're just you can find me on bebo <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can find me outside your house i'll give you a wave <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's just crazy for recommended demolition man <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, so on that note anything lastly for yourself Craig well I had one planned specifically because of what film we're watching next week it's going to sound really sinister based on what that <laughs> but I'll go with it anyway maniacal laugh <laughs> maniacal <laughs> laugh <laughs> amazing right well thank you everyone and uh, we hope to see you next time for The Muppets thanks once again bye yay <laughs> Keep up with the latest episodes of Well Good Movies, you can listen to us on all your usual podcast outlets, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us, subscribe, and rate us where you can to keep our podcast growing. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Well Good Movies to keep up with the latest news and highlights from all our episodes, as well as tell us what movies you want to be discussed in the future. And if all of that isn't enough, you can also find us at our website, freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies, where you can catch all our episodes along with videos and articles deep diving into the worlds of film and television. So what are you waiting for? Go check out the film we'll be discussing in next time's episode. <laughs>